Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from the steamy jungles of Desperate Visions land, where I am giving you episode 26, Women in Cell Block 9, film number 85, and film 16 of 16, the final film of Erwin C. Dietrich and Jess Franco collaboration. Um... This is kind of a fitting film, the last film they did together, because it kind of wraps up the general tone and uh, theme of quite a few of their films together. Um, Let's see how we go here. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, all the information on this. Women in Cell Block 9, uh, Swiss-UK-US DVD title, Switzerland, 1977. Original theatrical title in the country of origin, Frauen für Block 9. Women for Cell Block 9. Uh, alternative titles. Tropical Inferno, the Swiss video cover. Uh, Swiss video, Escape from Death Island. Flock van der Toden. Flock van der Todesnell. Uh, women in Cell Block 9 was the... Or, I'm sorry, Women of Cell Block 9 was the Japanese video t- title. Uh, the Netherlands video title, uh, Camp of the White Slaves, Camp der Blankslaven. Um, let's see. Uh, what we got here? Canada video, uh, Women for Block 9, uh, Des Femmes pour le Blanc 9. And then finally, the West German Ascot video is Women from Jail Department Number 9. I like that one. So interesting. So yeah, so it goes from women in cell block 9 to women for cell block 9 to women for block 9. Oh, sorry. And start over again. Okay, so it goes from women in cell block 9 to women for cell block 9 to women of cell block 9 to women for block 9 to women from jail department number nine. And then the unconfirmed title was cell nine. And uh, that's funny. It's all, and that whole thing about the number nine, it's basically two just like one room that has a little piece of cardboard with a number nine written on like a black chalk or something. And it's really crude and just so generic. And like you could just do yourself, just take a piece of cardboard, rip it in half, take a piece of black chalk or coal, it's probably a piece of coal, right? Number nine on it. That's all I got to do. Uh, let's see. Production company, of course. Dietrich is Elite Films out of Zurich. Theatrical distributor, of course. Avis Film Verlag. Timeline, uh, shooting date on this. Late autumn of 1977. Um, where are we at? Uh, Germany, it was released in March 17th of 1978. And that was it. Just was released in Germany and then on to video, I guess. Uh, theatrical running time, even 75 minutes. That's lean. Uh, the Blu-ray running time for the Ascot Elite edition, 77.47. Still lean, but wow. That's yeah, probably just the translation of time. Uh, and then director, of course, Jess Franco. Producer, Erwin C. Dietrich. Script, Erwin C. Dietrich, again, as Manfred Greger. Director of photography, Rudolf Kutel, as Rudy Kutel. Um... Interesting, not uh, Peter Baumgartner on this one. Different director of photography. Kind of shows, too, a different way of shot. Uh, 
Uh, music, Walter Baumgartner. Production manager, Werner Zinderler. Line producer, Erwin C. Dietrich. And elite film production, uncredited, stills in Portuguese, director of photography, Juan Solar Kozar. Cast, uh, we did that already. Um, no, no, actually, we don't, we didn't. Cast, Susan Hemingway, uh, Maria, student activist. This was Susan Hemingway's second film, and uh, I believe she's 17 in this film. Uh, or maybe 16, still hadn't turned 17, but uh, it's after Love Letters of Portuguese Nun, which was filmed about a year before this. So, uh, Second lead, Corinne Gambier as Karen Laverne. Uh, Howard Vernon as Dr. Milton Costa. Uh, Ada Guvia as Ada Morgan. Esther Studer as Barbara Taylor. Caesar Anthony. Uh, or no, Caesar Anahori. And then does he hear their ass? Uh, uncredited, of course, the gal that plays Loba, the chief wardress, which is a really great actress, Barbara, performance in this, and she's still uncredited and unknown to this day. Um, and of course, Ada Vargas is the prisoner seen at the dinner table. And Maurice Claver, a tin helmet soldier who assists in the torture of Barbara and Karen. Yeah, he's almost like a third heel in this. Uh, we talk about that in the um, review portion later on. Um, so yeah, Stephen Thrower writes about this, his review, which is pretty cool. I wanted to read this quite a bit on this one. Uh, women in Cell Block 9 is the darkest of Franco's women in prison films. It's also very much a Dietrich production with all the stylistic restraint and clarity of production value we've come to expect from the previous 10 films. Um, previous 10, actually, the previous 15, because uh, this is the 16th one. Interesting. Um, it's shot, edited, and scored very much in the Dietrich house style with almost no handheld camera work or zoom lensing. Dietrich having seemingly forbidden such reckless behavior. With Franco's delirious stylistic tendencies held on a tight leash, it is to cruelty, it is to cruel tree that we must turn for a fix, and this is a very cruel film. Uh, Franco's women in prison stories are rarely Sedean in the full sense. He spends too much time depicting the subjectivity of the captives for that. Through the sadist, I'm sorry, though the sadists often win, there's a lot of dwelling upon the mindset of the victims, an approach that respects conventional characterization but detracts from Sade's, or from the Marquis de Sade's relentless fixation on the philosophy of the libertine. By focusing on the attempted heroism of the captives and their determination to stand together and support each other, even, for instance, when injured parties slow down their escape attempts, the stories convey respect for the victims, something that never services without the most withering sarcasm and dissod. One could argue that the unhappy endings of Franco's women in prison films demonstrate the Sedean contempt for the virtuous. If they'd been more selfish, perhaps they would have survived. Yet the sheer amount of screen time devoted to the anxieties of the victims tend to ennoble their struggles and blunt the Sedean edge. Yeah, I totally agree. As a filmmaker, um, I always fo focus on that as well, the victims and of the people fighting and staying together. And uh, that's a theme, too. And you see a lot of these f films where they always decide they can have better chances if they stick together as a group instead of breaking off on their own individual purposes. Um, and yeah, I... I uh, have used that mindset mentality in the past where I, as I got older and made more films, the the part of the showing the cruelty is one thing that really turned me off to a lot of the films of the 80s that you see a lot of the focusing on the cruelty, and especially later on like Hostel and that. It's just, 
really unnecessary where you should focus on the characters and uh, the developments and everything like he writes here. It's very, very true. Anyway, on to that. Uh, that said, Women in Subblock 9 offers a portrait of two of the nastiest, most genuinely sedan libertines of the Dietrich era. The wardress, Loba, and the camp's monstrous doctor, Milton Costa, played by Franco mainstay Howard Vernon, his only role in a Dietrich production. The sticky center of the film is a harrowing three-part torture sequence in which the leading ladies are marched off one by one to be abused and assaulted by this monstrous pair. Costa is an outstanding creation, a truly depraved, mean-spirited bastard in which brutality and cynicism have run riot. We hear that he's been recently forced into lowered circumstances, which suggests that on top of his customary cruelty, he's taking revenge for social humiliation. Things are finally going my way, he smirks, as he returns to the camp with a lorry full of victims, surely the most subtly chilling line spoken by a villain in a women-in-prison drama. Dressed shabbily in a worn-out suit, he proudly declares that, despite his recent poverty, he never sold his collection of torture implements, which he carries with him in three black suitcases. As Loba offers champagne to a girl dying of thirst, he pours salt into the glass before letting the victim drink, a cruel refinement that conveys much without the need for gaping flesh wounds. Even on the English dubbing track, which seems determined to make everyone in the film sound like an idiot, that's true on that, I agree, the character's malicious pleasure is in cruelty shines like a freshly polished scalpel. Loba, too, is the epitome of Sedean malice. There's a controlled Epicurean mockery in her expression that rings pitch-perfect as she watches the suffering of the victims. It is really a crime that the actress playing Loba goes uncredited and remains unknown. She gives one of the best performances ever to grace a Franco movie. The torture scenes game cumulative intensity by being bunched together. Instead of spacing out the brutality and letting the audience get their bearings... Franco compresses all of the nastiness into a 15-minute sequence that slowly sucks you into the villain's Sedean world. Two smirking, leering sadists taunting and holding victims for information they really don't give a rat's ass about. They admit to each other that it's the work that matters, not the results. They're like artists congratulating each other on refusing to sell out. When Loba tells Milton that she must travel to the city to convey the information gleaned, through their torture sessions, he declines to come along. He's simply not interested in the administrative side. All he cares about is torture. Was it Franco's final word on the subject? Well, strictly speaking, no, because he made two more women in prison films later in his career. Sodomania in 1981 and Fury of the Tropics in 1983. But Women in Cell Block 9 was the last one he made for Erwin Dietrich. So it's tempting to read it as a summary and condensation I'm sorry, and condense, yeah, condensation of the period. Condensing everything together. Uh, the scenario is, if anything, even more minimal and stripped down than barbed wire dolls. Cell Block 9 is a single room in a stone outhouse. On the door is a homemade sign with the number 9 scrawled on it. Talk about government cuts. Uh, the girls are shackled from the ceiling by their necks and their conversations are similarly throttled. Dwelling only on the... F- 
fretful anticipation of agonies to come. There's none of the usual comic strip characterization. No power struggles between inmates. No prison snitch running off to the bosses with information about the others. And no predatory lesbian taking an interest in the new arrivals. The focus is solely on whether the girls can survive what awaits them. The downside of bunching all the nasty stuff into one extended sequence is an uneventful last reel. The survivor's escape is very much by the numbers, and Franco's disinterest is plain. A scene involving alligators attacking the fugitives as they swim across the lake is weirdly directed and blatantly padded, as well as displaying the typical mismatch between stock footage and location shooting that always plagues this sort of thing. And while it's in customary in Franco's women in prison films for the ending to be downbeat, uh, the way in which the characters meet their fate here is astonishing. It's either a blunt affirmation of Franco's principled insistence on grim outcomes for grim stories, or a demonstration of his utter boredom with the whole concept. Taken as a whole, what Franco seems to be saying in Women in Cell Block 9 is there's nothing of importance to the genre except sadistic depictions of torture and abuse. Detailed plotting, characterization, niceties of pacing and structure, political implications, real-world parallels, all can be rejected. Franco pulls the last flimsy veils of filmmaking propriety aside and reveals that all these films have ever been about is the excitement of watching someone suffer. Everything else is an afterthought, a limp sprig of garnish on the side of the plate. It's very true. Franco felt that the best of his Dietrich productions were Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun and Jack the Ripper, both of which were far more complex productions with greater on-screen production values. Nevertheless, the frank aura of wickedness and sadism that boils within Women in Cell Block 9 makes it memorable for reasons that have nothing to do with money. Locations Portuguese Parkland and Tropical Shrubbery in the grounds of the Palicio de Montessere in Sintra. Connections. The seventh in a chain of women in prison films from Franco, which began with 99 women. See, cell block 9, 99 women. 999. Um, okay. It's the seventh in a chain of films with began with 99 women. This one, again, takes place in a fictional South American country in which the rulers of a rogue detention camp enjoy the degradation of the prisoners. In a calculated move by Franco, which refuses political alignment, the camps in all these films are run by people who maintain absolute control regardless of the government of the day. There's a temptation to advance a political reading of the Franco women in prison films with references to General Franco and Spanish involvement in South America, but in truth, the films have little of substance to say about Spanish or Latin American politics. Some may describe the cynical approach that Franco takes in these films, um, a succession of impotent resistance groups, faceless changes of governments, and kettles calling the pot, as calculated anarchistic. In fact, one could more effectively argue that Franco's women in prison films are inherently conservative because they rarely allow for the possibility of enlightened resistance, political change, or meaningful revolution. It's a short hop from saying that all sides are equally corrupt to sitting back and letting the forces of oppression get on with it. Ultimately, however, global politics are not uppermost in Franco's mind in these films. It's just with that, with palm trees and lush foliage, 
Spain and neighboring Portugal can be made to stand in for the entire South American continent, which for him becomes a sweltering, sexualized continent of the mind. The name Milton Costa was previously used for Paul Mueller's character in Barbed Wire Dolls. And finally, other versions, none. Uh, the film should not be confused with Women in Cell Block 7, which is the American retitling of Reno de Silveresto's 1973 Women in, Caper film, Women in Prison film. Uh, let's see, okay. So, uh, yeah. Episode 26, final film with uh, Dietrich and Franco. Um, so, yeah, we have the uh, trailer for this and then uh, all that good stuff. Um, the review with me and Eric watching it, and then we're going to go back and, uh, after this episode 27, we're going to go back to, uh, Nightmares Come at Night and go that way, all the way up to Dietrich, and then jump over these and go to the end. Uh, and then do the previous stuff, uh, the, uh, rest of the, uh, Harry Allen Towers films and the beginning of stuff I'll do with, um, other guests and, uh, other shows mixed in there as we go through the trip of 170 odd films of Jess Franco and speaking of Mr. Franco the mission statement praise and memory of Jess Franco uh, Jesus Jess Franco Manera uh, bringing the name and films of Mr. Manera Jess Franco to new eyes and ears uh, please download the episodes it increases our numbers and our audience please rate and share on your listening platform uh, tell all your friends about us share the word I'm sure everybody knows at least one Franco fan if uh, all the people like this have one friend that's a Franco fan, tell them about the show if you dig it. There's already plenty of episodes, and uh, my goal is to do all the films. So, you know, in the end, you'll have like 170-something episodes, 180 episodes that we'll have. So, definitely worth more than that. So, And they're all free and all that good stuff. And from a fellow fan. And some of these films, actually most of these films, I'm watching for the first time. So, trying to keep it as a pure experience. Um Find us on Facebook, Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Fa Franco Observer Podcast. You can reach us uh, at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com for any emails or questions, comments, suggestions, anything like that. Uh, always here to help. Um, yeah, all that good stuff. Social media, you see all the new stuff we do when the shows drop, of course, Wednesdays. And uh, any new information, we put up pictures, schedules, what's going on and all that stuff. Uh, I want to kind of put out the Franco list, I think, as I keep going on and and adding to it. I might uh, put one of those online, and if I do, you'll find it at the Franco Observer sites. So check them out. Uh, what else do we want to say today? Episode 26. Uh, it's always fun doing these shows. I always dig it, the editing of them and recording them and all that stuff. It's always cool to hear from new fans, new friends. All that good stuff. Been reached. People's been reaching out to us. Numbers are going up every week, every month. Uh, from when we debuted and say, well, we had two episodes in October, the very end, but I consider like November the first one. So from November to like uh, January, we like doubled our numbers. That was awesome. And uh, February, of course, being a shorter month, uh, numbers dropped a little bit, but we're still doing really, really good. Always get new fans, new people digging the show. So yeah. Uh, social media is cool. Been digging the uh, uh, El Franco Nomicon page and the Jess Franco and Lena Romain tribute page. Uh, those are two where people always reach out to me, so I always appreciate that. And uh, that's going to be my last 
part on this review portion. So keep on listening. We have a good show ahead of us. See you later. Bye. Wir sind in Ordnung. Von wegen in Ordnung. Jagt sie runter! Sie gehören euch. Bleib hier! Hilflos sind sie den Handlangern einer grausamen Diktatur ausgeliefert. Frauen für Zellenblock 9. Diese Frauen werden verdächtigt, mit denen zusammenzuarbeiten, die sich entschlossen haben, die Willkürherrschaft kompromisslos zu bekämpfen. Schön, euch wiederzusehen. Schaut sie euch genau an. Euch wird es genauso gehen, wenn ihr nicht pariert. Also vergesst nicht, dass wir spezielle Methoden haben, um euch Benehmen beizubringen. Ja, komm her. Nein. Wir werden ihn so lange scharf machen, bis er aufschließt. Und dann wird er sich wundern. Ja. Komm schon. Dieses elende Schwein. Wenn Ihnen die Flucht gelingt, bedeutet das nicht, dass Sie Ihren Verfolgern entkommen sind. Gar nicht mehr. Reiß dich zusammen. Komm, wir müssen weiter. Ich werde sterben. Ich weiß es. Wo ist das Hauptquartier? Was soll das? Ich werde verhindern, dass du unsere Freunde umbringst. Das ist schon geschehen. Frauen für Zellenblock 9. Gejagt, gefangen, gequält. Doch sie geben nicht auf, sie kämpfen. Im Kampf gegen eine Übermacht, die trotz ihrer Überlegenheit verwundbar ist, sind sie bereit, ihr Leben zu opfern. Oh, frisches Blut. Dann werden sie nicht weit kommen. Du musst sprechen, das schwöre ich dir. Soll ich nur etwas höher schalten? Ja. Morgen bekommt ihr vielleicht was zu trinken. Wenn ein bisschen nett zu mir seid. Was haben Sie mit dir gemacht? Ne? So. Und jetzt auf mit dir. Uneingeschränkte Macht über Menschen in den Händen einer erbarmungslosen Frau und eines wahnsinnigen Arztes, der seine Kenntnisse benutzt, um zu foltern, dem es Freude bereitet, diese Frauen zu quälen. Halt! Ich hab sie gleich raus. Wir haben einen erwischt. Er schlagt sie. Nein. Nein. Frauen für Zellenblock 9. Hey, buddies, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based filmmaking collective, uh, also Mondo Visions Photography Division. And I'm here once again joined today by my friend and co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey. Hey, hey. Uh, we watched um, Women in Cell Block 9. That's film 85 from Mr. Jess Franco. Film 16 of 16 in the Jess Franco Irwin C. Dietrich 
collaboration. So uh, this is going to wrap up uh, this series of films. Good night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is uh, the last film that he did with him. So it was kind of interesting to watch this as the grand finale um, of uh, all that stuff. So Kind of makes me sad. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, you yeah. know, especially seeing the last of some of these people like uh, Esther Studer, of course, and but uh, all that stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, so um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, do the. Wow, this is a really short synopsis. Keep getting shorter and shorter. Uh, once again, this is taken from Flowers of Perversion by Mr. Stephen Thrower. This is the uh, Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume Two, Essential Reading. Uh, synopsis: Karen, Ada, and Barbara. Three women, accused of a variety of crimes, are sent to a remote prison run by a sadistic warden called Loba and her even crueler sidekick, Dr. Milton Costa. Soon the girls are joined in their suffering by a fourth victim, Maria, who has been kept in solitary confinement, deprived of food and drink. One by one, the women are taken for interrogation until the last two survivors make a run for freedom. So... Eric, what did you think about the movie? It was, it was good. It was decent. You know, it was a it had a it had good aspects to it, but it wasn't a it wasn't like one of my favorite films. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a really good cinematography in this. Uh, I think my favorite character in the movie is, of course, I will say this is my opinion. My favorite character is, of course, uh, Howard Vernon as Doctor Costa. I think Eric's was the guard. <laughs> the sensitive guard yeah the sensitive guard that didn't know whether he liked it or didn't like it or was scared or if he was in on it or what the fuck or, he was if, he was supposed to be in, or if he was supposed to be in the same movie as them he looked like he was like oh shit am i supposed to be on this they're gonna see this the rest of my life he's like looking around yeah. kinda, you know playing it bad but uh yeah that guy looked funny like he looked like an american actor i mean i don't, I don't know who he ought to look him up and see but he just looked like like uh, I don't think I dig what's going on here or something. You know. Yeah, it, it was crazy how how many scenes he had. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he almost had, like Vernon's character would they would, they would you're, understandably why you would focus on him. Yeah. You know he has a main part in this. Right. This guy was just kind of like he was just a guard. But, yeah, he was almost like the third henchman or like yeah. the, the the third heel. You know, like you would expect his name to be built with yeah, the Loba, Doctor Costa, and then the guard that. I don't know what his actually I see what his yeah, name is. with as much screen time as he had. Yeah, <laughs> Caesar Anthony, uncredited. So yeah, I think that's who. And he no, was I'm uncredited. Sorry. Caesar and Ahori. Well, yeah, because because there's only a couple names in oh, the yeah, beginning, and there's no, like, yeah, yeah, there's, no, there's no end credits. Yeah, um, actually, I'll, I'll jump on this just so quick. This easy. I don't do this, but yeah, uh, cast Susan Hemingway, Maria, a student activist. Oh, and anyway, to Susan Hemingway, she's 17 in this. A year after uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Love Letters, Portuguese Nun. Yeah, that one. So she was 16 in that. This is exactly a year later. She's 17. Maria, student activist. Uh, Corinne Gambier as Corinne Laverne, who is beautiful in this, with always with makeup on her lips, her lip liner. And uh, it was funny because we were laughing about being in the jungle for days and tortured and her makeup was still perfect and her hair was oh. perfect in all the scenes. The lining on her lipstick was Yeah, immaculate. it never went away after immaculate. all the torture and all the stuff she had to go through, which we'll talk about soon. Um uh, let's see, credited on Swiss. Okay, um, Howard Vernon is Dr. Milton Costa. Okay, so basically, yeah, Susan Hemingway, Kareen Gambier, and Howard Vernon are the three top build. And that's all it is like in the beginning. And then you see in the credited Swiss press book, uh, Ada Guevara as Ada Guevara, uh, Ada Morgan. 
um, Esther Studer as Barbara Taylor, uh, Caesar Anahori, uncredited, unknown actress, Loba the Chief Wardress. Wow, she doesn't even say her name. Loba the Redheaded yeah. Warden, she, unknown. Really? Yeah, they don't even say her name, what her wow, name is. Wow, she was like the lead. She yeah, was the sucking so then. crazy. Yeah, unknown actress, Loba the Chief Wardess. Ada Vargas, prisoner seen at dinner table. Marius Claver, tin helmet soldier who assists in the torture of Barbara and Karen. Okay, that's his name. Marius Claver. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, that's crazy that I she doesn't even have her name. I can't believe that. That's really yeah. kind of crazy to me. Yeah, that's crazy. It says uh, Ada Gouver as Ada Gouveria, Ada Morgan, period. And then uh, uh, Caesar, yeah, Caesar, let's see, Esther Studer, Barbara Taylor. Caesar Anna Horry, uncredited, unknown actress, Lorba. So I wonder if her name is Caesar Anna Horry. Because it has just that name, but no... Huh, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up. See who she is. She was a good actress, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. She was good. Like, that's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, that that's, she's, that's fucking like, really crazy. Well, yeah, a lot of these, though, there's very few credits. Yeah. More of the technical credits. And in the end, there's never the end or yeah. end, end, end titles or nothing with all the who played who and, you know, all the... Yeah. You know, extra who this person did this and that, none of that stuff's there. No assistant directors, you know, best True. boy, whatever. Probably wasn't even a best boy on the set, you know. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, speaking of best, I'm gonna go over the best of the best, which is the Franco list, uh, eight actually 19, uh, lists here. I almost wish we had like an intro, yeah, the, the, the I know. Franco list. Yeah, I'll have to start. There you go. That's the that's the uh, part of doing this on the air. You start thinking of stuff. So yeah, they'll we'll probably I'll have somebody make that up soon. <laughs> That'll be the newest edition. Add all the more bells and whistles. Okay, so first on the list is Body of Water. It took a long time, but there finally is a body of water and three beautiful bodies in the water. That is very yeah. true. That is a very good point, sir. Yeah, very beautiful asses in the water. Oh my gosh. Uh, sailboat. Uh, no sailboats, but speaking of the bodies in the water, made a sailboat. Sail, okay, I'll say that. But uh, so yeah, sailboat races. I would hug all of them. Yeah, they yeah. I, would, I would hug every single one of them. Uh, no other boats in this movie. Yeah. Uh, number four, palm trees. Tons of palm trees yes. in the jungle. In the jungles. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Most definitely. Yes. A couple times when they were hunting for them, we were laughing because Eric said, "Yeah, it sounds like the sounds right next to the camera yeah. of the tigers and the it's like roar." Yeah. Like, Whoa, that's like two feet away from them, yeah. man. Like. And yeah, a couple of scenes when Howard Vernon then were doing the search, they really ramped it up like way too much. It was funny. It was just like one after another and the same patterns and the same repeating. <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, number six, chained up person. Most definitely. Yes, throughout the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, chained much. up in the butt. Yeah, all the way through. It's fucking funny. Chained up in the van mm-hmm. all the way from the end there. Chained up inside there. Chained up around the neck. That was cool. I like that. I actually, I really dug that aspect of it. Like them having the chains around the neck. Yeah. So they couldn't like go to sleep. They couldn't like, yeah. they, they had to say, it was, yeah. I, I Which is like funny too. Aspect. And this is varying off the lift, but list, but yeah, this is also too, uh, I'm going to add to the list, um, fetishes, uh, because, uh, and then talk about what fetish was in the film. Um, with this, of course, the torture fetish, the chaining of the women, uh, pissing. There's a lot of pissing, making the women piss and watching the piss run down the leg. Uh, there was a lot of whipping, a lot of, a lot of, un- I mean, this movie has a lot of torture. We'll go over some of the torture stuff over each, each thing, you know? Um, and then, uh, uh, the, 
Master Slave, and then just a lot of stuff on here. Other finishes, I'm sure as I go through, I'll kind of think of more of them. Um, okay, number seven, dance scenes on stage, stripping. None of that. Nope. Uh, no club scenes with dancing, number eight. Uh, jazz music, yes. Jazz music funny comes in when all four of the women are chained up and they're trying to seduce the guard to come in so they can make their escape. Yeah. When they're all writhing and they, had, they yeah. threw in the jazz song, which was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. Uh, no, <clears throat> number 10, uh, excessive zooms. Um, yeah, there was some, not excessive, but there was some really nice zoom shots during the swimming scenes and when they were laying on the beach or on the uh, ground after they swam and a couple of zooms in and out. Not too bad, I would say. But, yeah, it wasn't. But number 11, out of focus shots. There was quite a few out of focus oh shots. Gosh. Eric, Eric caught quite a few watching them. It was insane. Like, you know, it would be on Vernon and like, it would just, think he, he would like move a little bit and just go out of focus and then right back into focus. And, and then Jess Finkel would like start to like adjust the fucking filter to like, or uh, adjust the lens to try to get him into focus. And then he would like get him into focus and then cut to the next scene. And then that person would be out of focus and he'd get him back in focus. And then, I don't know, he should have just kept the focus all the way through, film the scene and then come back and, or cut and get in focus and then go back and redo it. But he was just like doing almost one takes and using the shots where he's, in and out of focus and where it wasn't done for a style where it was just done as a mistake well yeah and during that scene with vernon um was it the warden that was also with i can't remember what girl she was with but they were never in focus the the, the whole time they were speaking and then he would go back to vernon and that's when he would kind of go out of focus into focus and then oh yeah yeah, flip yeah over to the girls and they would just be fuzzy oh during the torture scene with the uh with the seahorse steel or the sawhorse with the yeah the, with the steel on the side no not that one um god what was it i wanted to say it was with the blonde girl i think it's when she was talking to the blonde girl okay with the uh with the instrument and the tube and all that i think so i okay. think so yeah 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 but yeah it was yeah, there was just a lot of out of focus yeah, a, lot a lot of out, lot of out of focus in this yeah. uh mirror shots number 12 i don't really remember a lot of any mirror shots i didn't see any mirrors yeah, i don't, I don't think. think any mirrors in the whole film actually that's interesting yeah. point. Uh, 13 mind control theme. Um, not really. I don't uh, think in this, in my opinion. No, I mean, not, no, not, no, like, yeah, I mean, just trying to get him to talk, but I mean, there was no mind control. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, number 14, magic tongue scenes. I don't think really any magic no licking. tongue. No, there's no licking. There's nipple twisting. Yeah. There's no, no that. Yeah. That's where no the end there. Uh, number 15, no red light. No. Um, and being a Dietrich film, these two will probably be the last two that we'll use. Uh, the sheepskin rug, no sheepskin rug, and this and forth. Well, it doesn't make sense. They wouldn't be a sheepskin yeah, rug. In this, although, things that don't fit, uh, and this jumps with what we were talking to, there's a scene where um, in Vernon and, or in uh, uh, Howard Vernon and uh, Lorca's, or Lorba Lorca's, uh, Lorba's um, room where they're eating, having a dinner, it's supposed to be right within feet outside their surroundings they're supposed to be like jungle uh palm trees soldiers and that well you see howard vernon well it's a daytime shot of the soldiers outside then it cuts to a nighttime shot inside and you go okay maybe it's time lapse but then when howard vernon's by the window with his back to the window you see a car drive by a white car go yeah. from 
uh, right side to the left side go real fast by. So that was obviously shot somewhere else, and they used it as that. But it is glaring, and that's probably the blooper of the film. Oh, they would caught. I think about it just now. Yeah, there was no there was no yeah. roads around them. Like, no roads the within that feet. Yeah, that was they almost were in the like jungle. like <laughs> yeah. They filmed that right next to the road of some place like. In a city next to a freeway or an open road is so yeah that's the total blooper of the film yeah uh, masturbation with the sea item no no there's genitalia torture but that's it's not masturbation uh, number seventeen mad scientist <laughs> yes um, of course uh, Dr Milton Costa Howard Vernon uh, he is the mad scientist in this and uh, Eric was really creeped out by him he was creepy man and his he, eyes i'm and, sorry he was creepy and me i totally was digging it i was like oh this is perfect when he was putting on the black gloves and really like looking at his three black cases and just getting so excited that was like my favorite scene it's just he's like yeah daddy's back in town and fucking put the gloves on and getting the fucking cases open and getting his shit together again well, when he was wa- torture devices <laughs> well when he was watching um was that was uh Hemingway, uh, when they brought her into when they're having their meal, yeah, and they brought her in, they're like, and they basically shove her down, right? You know, we'll, the, we'll, we'll go over that, yeah, 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 yeah. Of each one. The way he was looking, watching that, yeah. was just so creepy. Like he had this, this smile on his face, and yeah. with his wide eyes, and just yeah, it was a big time. He was creepy. And then last two uh, fish tank shots, no fish tank yeah. shots, and uh, of course, no Jess Franco as the talking parrot. Yeah. So that uh, was that. But um, okay, so now I'm going to go through and basically just kind of run down things in kind of in order, basically. Um, watching it. Okay, first of all, off the bat, the dubbing in this film is really bad. <laughs> the guy that did Howard Vernon is, I don't know, man. That's not Howard Vernon's voice. <laughs> so bad. It was so um, bad. Um, L- Loba. I thought her voice was good. The gal that, yeah, I don't know if it was her or what, she's good. And the Susan Hemingway's voice, I thought was really good. A few were okay, but the Howard Vernon's was so bad. And yeah. uh, the soldiers, pretty much any of the males stuff. The narrator guy in the beginning. Oh yeah, the beginning. So the very first thing is, uh, it takes like six minutes and thirty seconds before you see any nudity in a Jess Franco film, which That's is like crazy. A, a record almost. You know, it was really and and a really cool opening shot where. Uh, of course a really bad narration and it was like the the a truck the unseen truck driver you only see his arm where he's driving the van car or whatever and he gets killed because he says it didn't happen so well for me in the end like he talks about getting killed but you see a scene where uh um Corinne Gambier's uh foot her bare foot is up on the dashboard of the car and the the, the cameras be just, I'd say, just between the two, the driver and the passenger seat, just between, and you can see her foot, her left, left, right foot, up on the dashboard. I think it's her left foot, uh, and it reminded me of like a Tarantino um, death proof shot, you know, right off the bat with the bare feet on the on the car and everything. And it's really a long shot too. It's really a cool extended, like three or four minute opening sequence of that, you know, yeah. um, which is a really cool opening thing. And, kind of had that cool 70s look to it and everything yeah it was a really good way of opening the movie like it was a really good shot to, to start it off with well, yeah 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 it was real basic but it was a fucking cool style shot yeah. that's that's a good thing to watch and to kind of get a good thing um and then uh the guys go in the back and they uh they pull the truck over and they the soldiers say well let's 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 see what you're really hauling and they they have bananas and stuff and they go oh this is the fruit that our soldiers will like <laughs> they go oh, we got six pieces of fruit and it was six six women you know um, 
and then uh, we were laughing because the lady goes, take them to block cell nine. <laughs> we're like, and cut. Um, excuse me, ma'am. This movie is called Women in Cell Block Nine. Can you do that again and say, take them to cell block nine? Oh, you won't? Okay. Fuck it. Let's go. Move on. <laughs> it's just really, I don't know. And it was a dubbers, too. Like, it's, it's yeah, a dubbed voice. So exactly. They, they good good voice call. I mean, that's even worse. even the actress, yeah. Yeah. Take them to block cell nine. It's kind of cool, though. Um, me, I really enjoyed watching Howard Vernon enjoying his vices. In the very beginning, it's funny. And then as you see him torture, it makes total sense. So in the beginning, very first shot is actually you see him. The very, very first shot before the foot, you see him smoking this little, like, rolled cigarette. And he's right very down to, like, the last fucking last puff. And he's just so small. And he's just fucking taking it like it's a little joint. And he's just working it. And he's just so happy. And later on, he's a small little shot glass. It's all small. I have to talk about it, I think about it now. A yeah. teeny joint and a little shot glass. And he's just so happy. And his eyes are all bulging. And it's just it's funny to see him in such pure bliss and joy over these vices, you know. And then, of course, his other vices, the torture. And he puts the gloves on. And he's really... Oh, it's like a Frank Booth. I, I keep thinking of Frank Booth with his character for some reason. Just okay. that fucking, you know, drugging up and ready to fucking go and torture and, you know, real just twisted shit. Living his know? best life. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. And then another thing, too, which uh, is there anything up to this point that you had notes of that you would want to jump in? No, I, I was just, just that, that I really loved the leg shot. With the yeah. Steering wheel. Like, that was really cool. Um so it's it funny there's the shots where he was talking about where they were chained up uh, he had all the women that were brought in and they were chained up like with like, like a dog collar around their neck chained up to the ceiling or wall and uh, the one girl had to piss and she said no it, it's okay you know don't worry about it we're all here we're all naked you know it's, it's okay to go piss and they showed the piss running down her leg and one of my favorite parts was and it's a really good Franco Franco shot and really funny in a depressing depraved movie there's a really good edit scene where he cuts from a a woman pissing standing up to a cut of them pouring soup into like the dishes and as it's, as the piss is running down the fucking gross soup is being ladled into the cups <laughs> for everybody. It was a really good edit and I fucking laughed so hard. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, makeup I have various stages chained up. Some of the women had the smeared one and then of course uh, Gambier had all of her makeup perfect, perfect. and their hair and uh, even... Uh, Susan Hemingway's hair was all feathered and shit when she should have been, you know, this and that. Um, uh, let's see what else I have here. Uh, new mention, uh, car in the window. Uh, let's see what I have here. Oh, the, the, the day for night shots. Um, different fetishes, too. Um, okay, so before I go over the jazz part, uh, let's go over how each person was kind of like tortured and stuff. Um, you had the first one, um, Esther Studer. They had her, and they, like, basically put her on this, like, sawhorse that had, like, metal, like, tin wrapped over the sides that he set up. And they oh, and she was naked, and they opened her up and placed her spread-legged and put her straddle across that. Yeah. And every time she moved or twisted, it would cut her. And uh, she was bleeding out and stuff, and she was really crying. She was probably the wimpiest of the three. She kept bitching about every little pain, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be hurt. Oh, oh I'm shot. <laughs> but then, but so, so it was funny too about this film. We were talking about the nudity in it. I mean, toward the end, it's, it's more gratuitous. But at first, it's like it's there, but it's not gratuitous. 
and the torture is there, but they don't show it as a lot. They yeah. set it up and they let you fill it in. So it was weird. It was really depraved, but they don't show a lot. And then it was very sexual, or not sexual, but a lot of nudity, but they didn't show it at first a lot. So it was really interesting that it made you fill it in as you watched it. Um, so you had her do that. Uh, second gal, the uh, the blonde one, um, how was she tortured again? Not the oh, no, one she, with the makeup, but the Yeah, no, she one. was electric. Oh, yeah, yeah they electrocuted yeah. her. That's right. They electrocuted her, and she foamed out of her mouth. Yeah, she was foaming out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah, so they did the wire treatment on her. And then the third one, they had this weird kind of a, like a, almost like an elk horn or some like kind a of a horn or something. Like, yeah, yeah. And they had a tied up with, like, they had her on this like examining table deal. And they had this like rope stretched through, and they would twist it. And, I, and Howard Vernon was so excited. He's like, this is my new toy, my new torture invention that I made. <laughs> This is the first, and he's so excited. And he said, uh, "Many men, every was it every man or many men." He's like, "The men I use this on end up being homosexual, or yeah, something like that, yeah." Because this would just go in and just you know. And he's like, "Your skin is so great. Why would you put yourself through this pain and torture of just disfiguring yourself?" And he's like, "Well, you're a prostitute. You're probably used to it." And <laughs> all this stuff was really bizarre dubbing. And then uh, he's like, after they he he. Rams her with this, that, that yeah, he like horn. twists it, gets further and further yeah. deeper, and she keeps taking it, and like she doesn't, she's bleeding, but she doesn't fucking give up or nothing. But then he starts talking to his gerbil. Then he like, oh well, before that he said that oh, yeah. they could throw acid on her and shit, but then he didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, but then he's then he breaks out this like uh, Richard Gear gerbil. That I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. So he starts talking to this gerbil. Go ahead. And he's just telling him like, oh, I know I haven't fed you in a long time, you know, but I'm. Yeah, this dribble starts like biting the cage and shit as he's talking to him. And it's actually a cool shot of his face next to that dribble cage is like his eye and his mouth and that yeah. dribble is right there, you know. Yeah, he was just telling I'm sorry I didn't feed you, you know, but I'm I'm bringing you something good to eat or something like that, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, it was And then he breaks out this giant tube and then basically puts the tube up to her vagina and then like does a sleight of hand where he pretends he's holding the gerbil and like oh, of course you don't see it, you know. Yeah. And then he pretends he's putting it down this tube and then it goes up inside and eats her doesn't eat her out but it eats her out <laughs> and uh and then yeah they just show her screaming a little bit and then it cuts yeah. and then you think that all three were killed but then later on you find out that they weren't killed that they were just tortured and that the blonde girl gave up the information about the resistance and uh and then basically uh they tried to oh so then basically they said okay well uh, the main guard likes uh Susan Hemingway and calls her young little one little or one, young yeah, one yeah, little, little one. one yeah why don't you go out with me later little one into the forest or yeah take a walk in the forest with me yeah so then uh they decide a plan to hey let's let's all get together after being tortured and burned and <laughs> scooped and bloodied and just electrocute everything let's let's suddenly just start touching each other and kissing each other and seducing each other and really getting this guard going yeah and let's like rub and and writhe for about five minutes and see if see if he bites that was such a funny scene too yeah yeah and the jazz comes in and everything yeah because like these four girls like they're just like going i mean they're just yeah they're just like you know rubbing each other and kissing and the guard's just whistling. He comes walking up to the wooden cage, the wooden bars. Yeah. And so, then, yeah. So, the, yeah, there was yeah, – so, the, that's good. Yeah, there was, uh, like, wooden bars. And on the bottom right corner of one, you see black electrical tape on just part of the bars on the bottom right corner. I was laughing. Yeah. And he yeah. just – he goes – he walks up to the bars, and he's just whistling, and he starts watching them. And then he walks away. And then A couple times. Yeah, and then it goes on to the girls, and they're just touching each other and kissing. 
And then you see him whistling, walk right back up to the bars, watch him for a little bit, whistle, and then walk away. And it's just like this long yeah, scene yeah, of him, like a few times, of him like trying to get up the nerve or something. And they keep saying like, "Hey, come join us. You can have all of us." Yeah. You know. Then he goes, "Oh fuck it!" So then he goes in, and then you know what happens next. They beat the shit out. Well, actually, they knock him down. But it's funny too. I was laughing because, uh, of course, everybody else is naked. So you would think maybe just Franco would show the guy naked, but of course gets him down to his underwear and then the girls knock him out i was laughing so i was like good <laughs> but he's laying there on the ground with his fucking speedos <laughs> yeah his little black underwear and his fucking camos pulled down to his boots and then they karate chop inside the neck twice and they take off running naked to the jungle with their guns and then uh a couple of them get shot and things happen but yeah it's very very downbeat ending i won't tell you everything but yeah it's very downbeat ending no hope so. It's like a lot of his films. Yeah, like a lot of the DJ those so few those women in prison movies have that no hope yeah. kind of finish on them. Um, I thought it was kind of funny when they were trying to escape in the. No, oh, I was just getting ready to say that. Oh, yeah, ahead, I looked at my notes. Yeah, okay, so sorry. so what's funny is so during their escape, uh, just Franco pads is with like a lot of stock footage of bad uh, crocodile footage from like I don't know Italy sixties Mondo films or Africa footage or like different fucking vacation footage or what but there's like three or four ones that were like the stock film does not match the same color corrections different there's two or three scenes where it does look like it actually could fit and it looked okay but there's like five or six that just could be cut because it's so gratuitous for no reason but just because he had them they decided to use them go ahead yeah it would be probably to extend the scene too because i mean it was yeah. only like a 78 minute movie exactly know, so you, you it's very short gets there a little bit of filler in there but you know what i was kind of laughing is when um when they're first escaping and guard shoots at him and he shoots the first girl in the middle of the forehead oh yeah right the forehead it's one just shot like, it's just a, some red paint right there yeah and, um, run for it and they're like trying to like come on come on and it's like no if she got shot in the forehead in the middle of the eyes like she's yeah, done like yeah. there's no coming back from that like that's not and then she just um susan Hemingway's character just uh um, um Maria just stares at her and just looks at her for like a little bit too long like come on get going man you're gonna get fucking shot yeah, yeah. the guy it's funny too think about that the guard could have shot all three of them he basically comes out shoots one and then backs away and then like that's it yeah like he he, he should have continued at least going after him you know? oh you're talking okay okay you're talking about okay oh no yeah well when she's running and she, oh no actually i was no, talking like, about the blonde girl yeah i'm yeah. sorry you're right he yeah. he popped out and shot esther studer's character yeah, I yeah, yeah, about that they got yeah. yeah but even that he could have went after them after he shot her and he just like shot and then i don't know snuck well, back shot. down Oh, did he get shot? Yeah, okay. so because uh, what's your name had the gun. Yeah, and then he shot and she shot. Oh, okay, he got okay. her and That's he right. got him. Yeah. See, I thought that happened when uh, the blonde woman got shot in the forehead i thought she shot the other one back during that time that's that's what she did yeah. okay but the then, one in the when he got studer was when um that's when the guy was just popped up you just see the gun and he right. shoots and then he disappears like right but why did he disappear though no i don't know because yeah they that's stopped. what i'm saying yeah yeah they stopped. Yeah, i thought that guy should have kept going after that oh, yeah, continuum. Could, yeah why would he just shoot and then fucking hide or something that doesn't make sense i don't know <laughs> it's like why would you keep i don't know you find somebody you're hunting somebody and then you just shoot it once and that's it i don't even i don't know yeah doesn't make sense. But yeah, they weren't moving that fast. Like he could have no. just reloaded and shot again. Like they were right there. And then, of course, the last shot was actually a really cool change of pace for Jess Franco. Uh, he just kind of like takes the camera all the way up that tree and then just shoots that sky and then starts going out of focus. And it caught this cool like lens flare, like a amoeba, it almost looked like in the sky. This weird, weird circle, and it stays there for like ten seconds and then just cuts to black. Yeah, kind of a cool ending. It was know? a real cool ending. Yeah. 
because there's just I don't know. But it's, it's, it is always weird though that he doesn't ever put the end on yeah. stuff. I mean, I've, I'm sure he has, but it seems like all these Dietrich ones just end flat and just ends. You know, no, yeah, nothing, no at the end, no in credits, no nothing else. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Eric. It was it was okay. I mean, it's seven eight minutes, not too long. Um, but one thing I'm going to go over, which this is the last time I'll go over this because this last of the series is the uh, full moon video. We watched this on the full moon um, DVD. Uh, I'm going to read the back synopsis and let's see how truthful it is. From the feathered, wonderfully perverted minds of Spanish filmmaker Jess Franco and Swiss producer Erwin C. Dietrich, yeah, comes the notorious women prison shocker Women in Cell Block 9, also known as Fraun Frozellen Block 9 and Tropical Inferno. Actually, I don't think it's called Tropical Inferno. That's a different movie unless they called... Oh, actually it was. Okay, Swiss, Tropical Inferno, because he used that uh, title later. Um, the controversial film... It was and remains banned in the UK. Stars Franco Regulars Susan Hemingway. This is her second film. I don't know if it makes you a Franco Regular. Uh, Howard Vernon, that's true. And Kareem Gambier, that's true. Uh, and tells a tale of a gaggle of female freedom fighters who are taken to a secluded woman's jungle prison where they endure all manner of violent and sexual humiliations. That's funny. They're like liberated women and then they have to be tortured because they're liberated women. <laughs> it's almost like a male written. I didn't even thought about that. Until I'm just reading that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. That's funny. It's like, how dare you, are liberated? We must control you and like enslave yeah. you. And oh, you're liberated. Oh. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And he calls um, him a gaggle. And it's interesting like too. I remember this is his statement on the marriage because he was breaking up with his wife and and uh, Lena's breaking up with uh, Ramon Ardez. So that's maybe his view of you know marriage. Uh, let's see. Um, Violent six minutes. Okay. Like all the productions in the prolific Franco Dietrich collaborative canon, most of which are represented in Full Moon's limited edition. Limited, it's like three years later, still there. Just Franco DVD collection. Women in Cell Block 9 is a visually lush, erotic, I don't know about erotic, an explicit exploitation masterwork armed with exotic locations. That's true. Weird performances. That's true. And a great dreamy score by composer Walter Baumgartner. I don't know. I don't know. Score, yeah. Uh, Full Moon is proud to present this revered Jess Franco classic. Well, it's a classic title. In a digitally remastered and restored and completely uncut transfer struck directly from Dietrich's own archival negative. Not for the easily offended, but what Franco film is. Women in Cell Block 9 is an essential trash movie gem not to be missed. Uh, Silly Lord terror says it's 78 minutes of pure mind-melting sleaze entertainment exploitation gold i don't know it's that, a bit heavy that kind of shocks me that it's it's banned in the uk because well that's probably because a lot of the torture shit yeah but they didn't really, really show really much that. though you know what i mean like it was yeah and, no, you're right and in the uk like legal age is 16 so it's uh for consent so even her being 17 and nude in the movie like that wouldn't even be a reason is that why you're trying to live in the uk yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I went to the UK. <laughs> that's why I lived there a year. <laughs> then they got too old. <laughs> so Sorry, I'm see. joking. I'm totally joking. So he lives in Sacramento, California. <laughs> so let's see. And uh, I'm currently single. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, written and directed by Jesus Jess Franco on this. That's nice. 
So yeah, that's this uh, Jess Frago collection, Women at Subblock 9, Full Moon Entertainment. I mean, it's cheap price, and the print was good, but yeah, of course. I'm, oh, and oh, the, the glaring omission is the fucking yes. cover. Thank you, I forgot. I yes, yes. Okay, so, wow. The women on this cover is a painting of uh, one, two, three, four, five women breaking out of a jail. The lead one's got a switchblade, which never is held. The other one's wearing a has a uh, bar she's swinging, and the one to the right of her looks like a Lena Romay drawn one who's not in the film. There's two other um, nameless women behind them, but yeah, they're wearing outfits. The lead one has five, three, four on her prison uniform, and they have no prison uniforms in this. They're naked and have no numbers at all. Uh, she has, yeah, the uniforms are in the black, uh, underwear. It's not in there. The chick that's supposed to be Lena's nowhere in there. Um, yeah, it's, and they got the bars on the cover, which they use on the motif a lot on uh, Bardware Dolls, Sex or uh, Sexy Sisters, and a few of the f- Full Moon uses the bars. And they also have a picture of top of a woman screaming, and what looks like Eli Wallach stabbing her with a blade, like right between the tits. Yeah, no, that's what I was looking at. I'm like, yeah, I what the? Who the fuck is? Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know who that is. And if that's supposed to be Howard Vernon, that's not a scene in the movie at all. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, that's bizarre. And, and the woman in front, the very lead woman. Okay, yeah. so of all the women. Right, that's a good. Go ahead. Like, of all the women, like only the blondes actually had large breasts. The right. the brunettes had very small breasts. I think breasts. that's supposed to be Susan Hemingway, the more I think about it. But she Even has though very she's small not the breasts. lead. Yeah, I know. This girl has very But out of, out of the, anybody that could be, it's not oh, yeah. Christine Gambier, it's not uh, Esther yeah. Studer. So I would think it's supposed to be her, but God. Well, she has feathered like, hair, I guess. Yeah. Maybe like the, the skin color of her, maybe. That's, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. But yeah. But God, that just crazy. So yeah, this, this, I think I'll have to use this picture as the uh, episode uh, thing so people can look at it and see. <laughs> if you're not in America, this is the version we have. So yeah. Besides the uh, Elite or the uh, Ascot Elite Blu ray, which is probably what I'll get. But I'll check it out. We'll see. Um, so yeah, in closing, I don't know. Um, I was telling Eric though when we first watched this years ago, we used to do a thing called uh, Monday Night Movie Nights, where I would go through my collection of cool stuff and bring over a movie, and usually try to turn people on. And then basically, after about a year or two, I turned it over and let everybody else kind of bring their own movies for a while. <laughs> yeah. you know? But for a while, it was always stuff I try to show. And this is this reminded me of a movie that we would probably show during movie night. You know. Uh, reminds me kind of like of 70s Roger Corman kind of uh, women in prison style film, you know, The Hot Box or um, Big Dollhouse, Big Bird Cage, the uh, Jack Hill films, like those those types of movies, you know, that kind of reminded me of that, you know. But yeah, I don't know. It was all right. I, I liked Howard Vernon in this a lot. I thought he was really good, um, except the dubbing was terrible. Um, good locations. The editing was good, short. Um, not much to it. It's a rehash of other prison themes and such, but you know, it's definitely worth a watch once or twice. Definitely watch for Howard Vernon. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts on that. Do you have anything you like to throw in at the end? Yeah, no, not really. I think we pretty much covered everything. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Cool. All right, well. Uh, but I, I, I just want to say, though. Yeah. Like, I am kind of sad. I am kind of sad this is the last Dietrich because that means there's yeah. no more Eric, right? Well, yeah, Eric Falk's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Rest in Martin peace. Martin Steedle. Well, oh. no, rest in peace. No, not alive, rest in peace, but, but yeah. Yeah. he's still alive. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but yeah, you have all the Martin yeah. Steedle and Eric Falk and uh, Esther Studer and. Um, Mr. Mosier. Mr. Mosier. 
Christine Gambert and uh, yeah, a lot of the again. Oh, what was her name? Oh gosh. Which film? Bridget Bridget Meyer. Bridget Meyer, yeah, Bridget no, Meyer. yeah, she was like a two and done, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, that was. Is Collie is Collie in there anymore, or is she who? done? Collie. The Collie last that thing. we know, Collie. No, no. The oh, uh, Collie Hansa. Collie Hansa, yeah. Yeah, uh, Collie Hansa's in a few other ways. Yeah, yeah, she's in. Um, um, uh, I think she's in. Uh, Cat is perverse. Okay. And yeah, yeah, she's yeah, yeah, definitely. She's in a few films before this, so okay, so yeah, okay. yeah. So she's definitely back in the mix, and uh, yeah, and then of course you know we get uh, Pamela Stanford and uh, Monica Swim and everybody and all them are yeah. back around. So it's kind we of get to see all those gals come back though, so that's good. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. kind of sad though because we just we've just spent so long you know watching yeah. this merry band troupe of people make these different films and and we watch the same. No more sheepskin rug. No more yeah. masturbation with sea items. No more. Shooting in rooms that have no outside actual <laughs> locations. It's just a wall or a blue wall yeah. or black wall. No uh, filming and no looking for uh, fake walls on walls, seams that shouldn't be yeah. there, legs the floor, corners, that type of shit, you know. But, you know, but like I was telling Eric, though, uh, as a filmmaker watching these Dietrich films and how they filmed a lot of the stuff on the same sets and, and changed stuff over really opened my eyes to another way of filming and it's going to influence my filmmaking later this year so uh, be on the lookout for that so yeah in closing uh, I give it okay what would you give it okay yeah okay yeah okay yep. so, uh, you can get a hold of us at uh, Franco Observer at yahoo.com uh, you can get us at Facebook at the Franco Observer podcast page. We got a Instagram page. Uh, check them out. A lot of pictures on that. Always new episodes listing. Of course, you know now every Wednesday morning, uh, hump day. There was always a lot of humping in Franco films. So I said, hey, I was going to do Franco Friday, but I figured hump day is better. Um, and uh, yeah, you saw uh, February already went by. So all that good stuff and all that. So um, keep doing one episode a week and uh, extra episode on holidays and special days uh, I put one on extra one on Franco's birthday and you know Lena's birthday do stuff like that so uh, got a bunch of the can so we're gonna keep on pushing on so yeah after this we're gonna go back to uh, the film after Count Dracula which is Nightmares Come at Night so that's gonna be the next one and then Eugenie Desaad and so on and so forth so Eric gets to see Soldad Miranda next so he's yeah. in for a treat okay. and you are all in for a treat as well uh, please download the episodes. Uh, of course, numbers are going up each month. Numbers are better than the last month, so thank you very much. Keep telling everybody else. Keep listening. Download it and all that good shit. Uh, subscribe. Um, tell your friends. Um, rate, share, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. All right. Well, in closing, good night. Beautiful nights. Beautiful nights.